Hey there, you've pressed play on the world's top podcast for track and field coaches. Welcome to the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections. The show is brought to you by Gill Athletics, empowering coaches with innovative equipment since 1918. Head on over to gillathletics.com for all your track and field equipment needs. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, and it is my pleasure to bring you another amazing coach and share their journey with you. Our goal is to connect you with the amazing people who have chosen the coaching profession, and today's guest is a powerful example of the impact a coach makes on our world. Let's get to it. The starter has called us to the start line. It's showtime. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you might be watching this or when you're watching this. Um, welcome to another fun and I promise an entertaining night of entertainment, infotainment, if I've, if, as I've heard as Dean does. Um, as always, we're here for Athletics LLC and a little bit of uh, information to be delivered and some good stuff tonight. So hang in, get comfortable. Um, as always, we'll start with a little introduction of our panelists here. So we've got Lamar, told you they would play football. Absolutely. Good evening. He's on, a, on what's it called, on location today? I'm on location. There you go. So uh, we'll ignore the Clippers little banner behind me because uh, they pooped the banner. Is that what that is? Yeah, they, they took that ale. <laughs> they, 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 they've they gone. Not, you don't have to I tell them to go anywhere. They're gone. This is, yeah. The, right. Uh, you know, you know, the best saying I've heard so far is Clippers going clip. Oh, no. That's amazing. Wow. Anyway, um, as always, Lucius is here with us as well. Hello, everyone. And last but not least, Clyde. Good evening. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome. Thank you once again. Um, so jumping in the deep end, um, let's go to two of the tiles, the specialty. Do we think that the women's hurdles should be raised to 36 inches? Why or why not? Go ahead, Clyde. Oh, all right. Well, um, absolutely. <laughs> they absolutely should do this. They should have done it a long time ago. Why? Uh, there's a bunch of different angles you could take on this. The ones that I've always um, preferred are pretty cut and dry. I think it's ridiculous that female hurdlers run the exact same size hurdles forever. There is no progression. High school, college pros, it's all the same. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think junior high runs 33s as well, uh, depending on what circuit you're running. So the, the idea that, that there is no progression, I think, is insulting to women. I think it uh, is you know, a negative look on our sport. And of course, like most poor decisions in life, it's, it's rooted in the idea of tradition without you know, any kind of evolution of thought. There's no reason to, to believe that women cannot evolve in the sport. And there's no reason that you should be concerned with the old records and what that would mean. Like, let the records stand wherever they stand and let's move forward and get some new records. Um, I think if they did move it to 36, I think it would actually open up a new class of talent in the event at the collegiate slash international level. And I think it might end a few careers a little early because the fact of the matter is the women's hurdles are so low that a lot of, uh, a lot of elite women get away with not really being too technically sound and being able to sprint their asses off in between the barriers. And that's cool, but that makes the event a very different discipline than the, than the rigors that the men have to deal with. And if the men can do it, the women can do it. I'm all for, making things harder you're going to make change rule changes make the skill have to go up with the rule changes so i'm all for it i've been for it for a long time hey you know i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback on one word you said and that's insulting 
because this is just another, you know, hey, the women can't do this. We'll go with women can't run 10K, right? Oh, yeah, they can. Right? <laughs> and we talk about rule changes. We have a problem changing the way of the javelin when the guy was about to throw it out the damn stadium, right? You know, we change, we, we, we modify records. We're talking about, okay, you put an asterisk, this is that record, and now this is the record at 36. I think that the biggest thing for me is this, this I'm going to call it skill instruction, the coaching side of it, because you don't have to be a great coach to be a great women's hurdle coach, if that makes sense. Okay, if you got a young lady that's fearless and you can get her fast enough, you're going to be okay. But I think the big thing for me here is it's going to force coaches to coach. It's going to force them to identify people, identify skill sets, spend more time in practice working on the barrier itself and not just on the steps. Because as my man Clyde said, there's a lot of coaches out there just getting fast as they can get, you know, and there's no skill instruction whatsoever. And that's my issue with the women's hurdles. I, I, I agree, it should have been done a long time ago. I think it would be a wonderful change. It'd be a wonderful challenge. I personally would embrace the challenge of coaching women at 36 inches. And I think it would potentially cause some separation um, of, of coaching levels. Let's put it that way. You know, it's, rare, it's very rare on this show that we all agree. I th do think it's funny that we all agree that they should be raised, but I think probably for three different reasons um, or three different variations on the same reason. I personally would love to see the hurdles raised so that's a, there's a variance to those who do it. I'm not saying that every single female hurdler looks the same, but they kind of have to have like the same three attributes. Um, they gotta be fast, they gotta be fearless, you know, <laughs> and they got, you know, and, and they gotta be, we'll say relatively coordinated, right? But if, if you raise the hurdles three inches, um, you got different, you got people who can maximize rhythm who aren't super fast you're going to have people who, who are short, but are really, really quick between like you, you would, it would be like the men's hurdles where there's a lot of different ways to skin that cat. Like right now, there's not really more than one way to skin it. Like run fast as hell, risk your life. That's what you do. Like <laughs> that's it. And I mean, I would love to see the hurdles be up three inches because it would require more skill from coaches, athletes, and more importantly for me, there'd be a variance. Like, I like to see, like, look, I would love to any sort of contest between myself and Clyde and Lucius where there's a variance of styles. Like, I'm good with that. I would hate to see something where all three of us got to, we got to play by the same rules, do the exact same thing, and, like, the one who gets the fastest kid wins. Like, that's what the hurdles are. And, and that kind of sucks. So I, I, I think I completely agree, which is rare for all three of us to agree, but, but I think that we all think kind of varying – varying reasons on the same on, on, on the same thought process which is we just like to see it be more skill-based i'm not saying that the, listen that somebody's gonna get mad and say we're saying women hurdlers aren't skilled they're highly skilled but more than that they're fearless more than that they're fearless and i think and I, I, like I, don't, I don't think anybody like in the right mind artistry. is ever going to say that there's there's no skill at all yeah there's a the tremendous amount of skill but, but I, would, I, I will tell you this, that I, I will, this is my opinion, let's say, that there is a lot more, there's a lot less skill involved in the women's hurdling than there is in the men's hurdling, a lot less. And the people that are teaching the skill in the women's hurdles are the ones that are getting done at a high level. You know, they, they, I think that if they were required to teach the skill better, we'd have better hurdle, hurdlers as far as time. And that's, yeah. since, since, we, since we all basically agree on the tenets of this, let me throw this in there. Is there any stomach for the, or for the argument or the conversation of moving them to 39? Zero. No. No. So there you go with that stuff and see. I, I no. was advocating for it. I've heard that conversation take place. Yeah. It was an interesting one. Whatever back, whatever smoke field back when you were having that conversation in, you leave that conversation in that room. We had, I, I no, will, that's, that's, a, that's a little much, Clyde. That's a little, I, I will jump in and say this. What I would love to see, what I would really actually love to see is the 110-meter 36-inch hurdles. I can get with that. I would, I would actually love to see that. I can get with that. 
and why and how how are we going to make that happen? What are we trying to say that they're not strong enough to get there? No, but the spacing. We have the you right. The you that, you that now you're inventing all new spacing and reinventing the whole dang event now. Okay. No, listen. I don't have a problem. So, so look, I want I'd you. Like I want you to take that idea and put put it in that same smoke filled room with what class is. Not doing that. Come on, man. That's not no. What What did I say? I anything that makes it harder. I'm okay. Thirty six minutes makes it harder. Okay. Six inches. Okay. The, the women can't take those spacings. They can't. You're gonna be making them take to four go, steps. We don't have to go nine fourteen. Let's let's look. Let's bring them in thirty eight. So okay. let's go eight eighty. Let's go eight eighty five. Instead of eight fifty, we go eight eighty five, and they have a longer runoff at the back end. Are we serious? Like that's not even that's not complicated. So the question is, are you serious? I, I, I'm not serious. Yes, I am. No, and, and look, I would like to see. Look, that's you say we. That's you and that little man on your shoulder. I ain't nothing to do with that. Though. I, this guy, would yeah. like to see one hundred and ten meter hurdles, thirty six inches, eight meters, eighty five apart. Let's get it. Nope. Now, see, there you go. We found we found a a, a, a spot where we're all unique. Uh, uh, Lamar's idea. Thirty six. We're all good with the thirty six. Lucius is a hard no. Ours a absolutely. Let's do it. And I'm kind of like, mm, that's interesting. I, I I'd explore yeah, that. I it, it's very interesting until you go to practice and watch him try to coach it. <laughs> well, that I I want to see it first. Hey, I tell you, right you now, because I'm, you have just. Because you have just e effectively, with the swipe of a pen, eliminated 75% of the women's hurdles in this world. Good, because they're all too tiny. I want to see Nia Ali run wide open with them long legs. That's what I want to see. I'm good with it. Okay. <laughs> just, just raising it to 36 alone would eliminate 40% of the current ones. And For I'll, sure. I just, you know. Leave it see, see, I don't think it would eliminate forty percent of them, maybe twenty. Well, well, let me let me <laughs> let me rephrase that. It wouldn't eliminate them, but it would flip the power structure of who's who in a lot of situations. It would it would, it would even even the playing field is what it would do. That's what it would do, and and that I'm all for that. But thirty nine inches, no, mm, too much. One hundred one ten eight eight five, no. no. Maybe they can put it in the women's deck. There you go. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm going to okay. say this right now, one time on this show, so we are clear. There is nothing that I dislike more in track and field than the women's decathlon. Nothing. Really? I think it's insane. We'll, we'll have to revisit that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with them doing the decathlon. Uh, don't don't blow it now. With yeah, another, stop, stop. Next yeah, week, we'll, we'll, talk, next uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about we'll talk about that next week <laughs> after I eat these wings. <laughs> Moving on, save yes. yourself. Thank thank that, thank you, Big <laughs> League. Put that wing in your mouth and and, and enjoy it, please. Um, <laughs> outside of track and field. What is your favorite sport and why? I think Lamar's um, is a food eating contest. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, like my, my favorite sport's always been uh, outside track and field's always been basketball. I mean, the team aspect of it, the um, the athleticism involved. Uh, you know, I, I've I've always enjoyed the watching the great athlete play the game, obviously, but I've also watched loved watching the not great athlete that has great skill, you know, that works on the fundamentals of the game. I, I, I grew up watching and really following UCLA basketball and the fundamentals that John Wooden taught. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to go to a high school where basketball was pretty good. And I, uh, you know, our high school basketball team was coached by a guy named Gene Davis that was a Bobby Knight uh, kind of guy in terms of the teaching of the game. <laughs> so, let me make that clear. Coach Davis was not that guy, but he was sort of part of the teaching. So, I've, and I coached basketball for a little while at the high school level. So um, the, 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 that aspect always intrigued me. So by far for me, it's basketball. Not even close to anything else. Go ahead, Wings. Oh, no, you're good. I still got a, half a wing left. <laughs> um, as a kid who played every possible sport available to me, uh, 
you know, I, I have, I've had a lot of loves of other sports uh, before track and field and, and after. But for me, it always comes back to the sport that I've always had a love-hate relationship with, and that's football. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love the game of football. It is my favorite thing to watch. And as in, a, in the element of team sports, it was my favorite thing to play. Um, what I hate about football is football culture, as we typically define it in America. And ultimately, that's what, you know, kind of got me off of it and, and, you know, just decided me for not to, took me in a position not to pursue it, um, you know, at the collegiate level where I had opportunities to do that. Football's a beautiful game. It's complicated. It's, um, it is the ultimate team game, in, in my opinion. And there are various different skills that all have to come into place and work together in harmony in order for the thing to function the way it should. Um, I love the strategy of it. And on the flip side, those that have no strategy create the most hilarious spectacles that you will see on your television. So, you know, I, I love football. I just really, really hate the culture of it. Yeah, I completely get that. Um, I don't know. I, it's funny. I, I'm I'm betwixt and between you, both of your answers. Like, I love to watch professional football for some of the caveman aspects of it. For some of the the, uh, I like the you know the uh, two minutes on the clock. We got the ball in the twenty and the drama to see if we can get there. But for the purity of sport, I, I'm right there in Lucian's camp. I mean, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, never lived further than across the street from the basketball court. So, like, watching a guy get shook out of his shoes and then seeing a little guy attack a 6'10 guy at, right at his chest and figuring out how to, how to get in his chest and still get the shot up and not get it blocked. And it's, there's some artistry to that. So, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like finagle. I'll pick one, and I'm, and I guess I'll say basketball by by a hair, because I can watch high school basketball, I can watch and appreciate collegiate basketball, and I can watch and and absolutely love the last six minutes of professional basketball. The rest of it's shenanigans. Um, <laughs> Six minutes. Like the first, the first 42 <laughs> minutes are absolute entertainment. Get popcorn and who cares? Nobody plays any defense. Nobody. It's like an all-star game. The last six minutes are absolute theater and they're awesome. As long as the game is close. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess like by a, by a lean, it would be, it would be basketball because I can watch literally any level of people play basketball. I, I can watch the WNBA and pick stuff up and like, Hey, did you see that? Because I, you know, I watch basketball like I'm watching chess, not checkers. So, like, because I, I coached basketball for a while, um, I see stuff. I, I don't watch it like – I don't just follow the ball, you know. Like, I, I, I see all the stuff that's going on. But I will tell you, from a uh, sports as theater, a two-minute drive in the NFL in the fourth quarter, man, that's pretty special. Again, with, with with the right quarterback, because it could be like well, for sure, yeah. As I mean, Clyde said that's the same theater become can become very comedic very quickly. And, and, and oh it's, yeah, it's absolutely awesome either way. I will right. say, this, I will say this, and and I maybe it's just because of the very unique way I grew up and where I grew up, but I don't. I've been to football in person professional NFL football. I've been to the NBA in person, which not a short of a playoff game is awful. <laughs> as, as Lamar said, there's nothing actually happening until it's time to figure out who's going to win the game. My favorite thing to go to in person is actually baseball. And, you know, maybe it's because I grew up in the Bay Area and we had the A's and the Giants. And there's something, you know, a little magical about going to a ballpark and watching that stuff. But in baseball, the professionals have to play hard all the time or the game doesn't work. And that's not true in basketball for sure. And football's just weird to watch in person. It's way better watching it on TV, like at least for me. It was way better on yeah. TV. You need the replays. Like that's what the best part about football is, is the replays. Because you get to see 
stuff that you might not see when it goes full speed. But I'll yeah, say I, this. Yeah. I, I love I love I love going to the game. I, yeah. There's just something I with my brain. Like I love sitting up high and watching it unfold. My favorite seats ever in a football game are sitting in the end zone. And then you can just kind of watch the, the, the play unfold. Yeah, I get you know, that. And that. I love that. And so when we, when we, we go to big games and like I went to one of the SEC championship games, I was sit behind the bench. I'm like, oh, these seats suck. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I'll, I'll just, I'll say this. I don't, I don't know all of you guys is like in-person sports pedigree, but I will tell you, I will tell you this. If I take you to a hockey game, if I take uh -huh. you to a professional hockey game and watch it in person, you'll never want to watch. Like, in person, hockey's the best sport, for sure. Not even close. Well, I, I've, and I've, I've been to some hockey games. I have. But I've never it's been, way, I've and like heard, in person hockey is, is way better than TV hockey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, in person true. hockey, because then you're like, you see how big these people are. You realize how fast they're going and you realize the violence of their collisions and the ridiculous artistry of like of the guys that score like they're insane those might be some of the most coordinated athletes like in sports it's, it's, it's almost actually it's almost like basketball on ice it's yeah crazy. it's like yeah. basketball and soccer mixed together and it's just, yeah, on ice yeah but but i can tell you this right now playoff hockey is spectacular mm -hmm. regular season hockey meaning to watch on television any hockey is spectacular to watch in person. Regular season hockey on television, yeah, I would rather do anything than that. And I'm like a huge Ranger fan, love hockey. Regular season hockey is just not worth watching. Just saying. Clyde, question for you. Have you been able to coach football? Like, as, as that being your love, have you been able to coach football? Yeah, I've coached football, basketball, and um, for – one really scary day, I tried to coach Denise in some soccer skills, and I will never do that. <laughs> All right, real quick. If you had to coach one, you had to coach your niece in soccer skills, or you had to coach somebody in the pole vault, which one would you do? Pole vault. <laughs> wow. Soccer. Oh, wow. I thought for sure that was an easy soccer answer. Nah. But wow, you're, you're that bad at coaching soccer skills? No, she's that annoying. Oh well, there it is. Also, so that's so that's an issue with your niece, not just. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, That's yeah. your niece. I got you could have picked any sport, and the answer would have been Paul. <laughs> I I see. I got you. I love you, Jay. I'm just I'm just playing. I love. You. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Okay, another outside of track um, kind of question. Uh, given that it's now football season, uh, who is the greatest combo track and field football star ever? Or okay. I don't. I added the word star. I guess I'll take the word star out. Well, just, just you could have left it in. We, we, ain't, we ain't gonna pick no random ass like. Well, there was this one guy who was averaging football and averaging track. Like, well, well, you know what? That that wasn't that was an interesting. Dis I mean, I think whoever we end up choosing is gonna be a star on one side of the aisle at least. I would hope. Um, for sure. You know what I mean? But for me, I, I'm I'm going I'm going super old school here because I couldn't think of someone who I was like, they are really, really good at football and at a level of track that I respect or vice Here versa. It it's Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe is the answer to this question. Whoa! Jim Thorpe is the answer to this question. Olympic what? gold medalist who is also in the Football Hall of Fame. And I'm done. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Well, so so hey. I'm, I'm going to counter well, your... Well done, sir. Well done. Very well done. But I'm going to counter your Jim Thorpe with one Mr. Bullet Bob Hayes. See, that's so why you I don't take, like you at all, Lucius. Okay. So Bob Hayes, not only was he Olympic champion in the 100, but the 200 and the 4 by one And Bob Hayes was individually, personally responsible for the invention of the zone defense in the NFL. Okay. So – once again, I'm going to checkmate you on that one, brother. Bob Hayes ain't even close. So everybody who's watching this show, I, I want you to know this much. It never pays to go last on this panel. But you, but you volunteered. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. I knew I did this so, to myself. So you can't, you can't be complaining I, and talk about, oh. I'm just telling you. those at home, 
it is this is not scripted i want y'all to understand it's never good to go last <sighs> you know but I, i'm uh, very impressed with you clive that was that was good yeah that, that was, that was like good. honestly that was good. I, I, well, was very, I was very Clyde like to be to be honest. I hope part. you got the shock <laughs> face you're looking for because I am legitimately shocked at that. That was yes. You did some research. I appreciate it. I love it. Um, you know what? I I, I have to take the best of who's left, and there are, there are, there are some spectacular <laughs> ones. Deion Sanders actually played in a spring football game and ran on an ACC champion four by one. Absolutely is honorable mention in this conversation. Uh, Michael Bates had a really good football career and an Olympic finalist career in, in, in the 200 from lane one. Hello. Um, but, I, and Willie Galt was special at both an Olympian and an all pro. Um, Ronaldo Nehemiah probably wishes he never played football. Um, <laughs> and honestly, so um, do we. So do we, because so do we. the world record might be 1265. Yeah, um, or 50 something, because uh, that dude was yeah. special. Right, and then he then he played football, and then he couldn't spell special for a while because they knocked him into next Thursday. Lamar, that was not nice. No, no, I'm not. That's nothing to do with him. I'm just saying he got hit by a very violent <laughs> individual. It still wasn't nice. Okay, well, it is what it is. These are facts. Look, look, look that tape up. Yeah, and, and, tape and another, another guy that was special too was Ron Brown. For sure. Yeah, Ron. Brown. Um, but I I'm gonna take Herschel Walker because. He might be the best collegiate running back ever. Not my vote, but I think a lot of people would vote for him. And he was at one point in time the world record holder in the 55 dash. So, like, he's pretty special in the track. Um, never really got I to do it outdoors. I, I, I said I had to take the best of what's left because you stole my answer. I stole uh, your answer. You weren't okay, going to go You didn't last. steal it. You just got to go before me. I get it for sure. Um, you know, there, there's there's quite a few people who've been, to Clyde's point, special at one and really good at the other. Um, you know, look, if we're going to be honest, like uh, Marquise Goodwin is truly special in, in track and pretty good at football. No diss, but that's just where we're at. You right? think this is an honorable mention? For sure. Uh, my, my man that plays for the Rams, Mr. Woods. Also, 45-8 in high school in the quarter, that's truly special, right? And he's everyday solid, solid, solid wide receiver, too, in the NFL. So, like, there's been quite a few people who've done both at a high level. And um, you're forgetting a guy that was pretty good at uh, football, baseball, and dabbled in track and field a little bit, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, are the, uh, they're, they're the industry standards because right. they were spectacular at, at points. They're spectacular yeah. at all three, for right. sure. Um, and so, like, from what's left, no diss to anybody, but I I'll take Herschel. I I I'll take a solid bronze medal, and, hey, I like bronze medals. You know what? We'll go with that. <laughs> a bronze medal is better than no medal, right? Well, a bronze medal is better. Listen, I've been for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Not, no, no bueno. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to go, Chew, because then I'll be fourth, and I do not try to do that. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, okay, what about turning the dial up a little bit in, on the intensity? Um, why do you feel that track and field slash athletics across the pond, or anywhere else besides here anyways, athletics is so much more popular in Europe versus in the U.S.? Who can I go first? Please, oh, please do. We would hate for you to be the bronze medalist again. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wouldn't. I'm a fan of bronze medalists. Um, I think for, for me, it comes down to uh, one really, really simple reason. Uh, American football. I think that if, if there was American football played in Europe and publicized and shoved down our throats the way American football is in the United States, everybody would move down a rung and they wouldn't necessarily be a second class citizen kind of like they are in the US, but it just wouldn't be what it is. Without American football, track and field gets to take its rightful place as a, a global maven 
and it's it's on par with soccer. I'm sorry, football, um, and and other things that are that are played and enjoyed globally. So it's spectacular, right? There there isn't a European sport, but because there is one predominantly American sport that is predominantly played in the United States, and it is the biggest money maker on our continent for sure. I, I just think that it gets a chance to get its right, rightful place in Europe. It, it, it just doesn't here. I mean, football dominates, dom dominates every aspect of professional sport. It dominates the headlines. It dominates the monetary amounts to some degree, like we'll say systemically, not player to player, but the league makes more money than any other league. Um, and it, I mean, look, there's, there's two seasons on, on, on ESPN. There's football season and then there's the off season. And then everything else slots in behind it, unfortunately. That, that, that's, that's very interesting. And I, and I think I agree with the, the basic tenets of that. Um, you spent much more time in your life in Europe than I have. But to the point that you made, I think soccer, as the Euros would call it, football, has the same type of attention and value over there that American football does here. And athletics is a second to soccer everywhere else in the world, but, you know, not the gap that it is here. I think American football is a big part of it. It definitely is, is a big part of uh, our better talents, obviously on the men's side, uh, not showing up. Um, in track and field, but I think it's just ball sports in general. I mean, football, it's ours. Basketball has become a global brand, but it's ours. Baseball, again, a global brand, but it's ours. And I think our three founding ball sports with the element of violence that they come into with football obviously being the thing americans like violence americans like clash americans like collision and you know those three sports offer a lot more of that than the elegance and purity that athletics does and i think uh, american culture just finds it boring i think we're wrong about that i think it's blissful ignorance on, on in that regard but to borrow uh, the, the, the famous phrase from the SEC, it just means more in Europe. Track and field does. Athletics does. They care about it more. They see the value in it more. And they put more attention and more resources and take better care of their athletes. So if the American culture treats the athletes in our sport like second-class citizens because they can't see any capitalistic value in our people, then the American culture is going to turn around and look at it like y'all don't matter because y'all don't make any money. If, if a hundred meter track race was worth a million dollars every time somebody stepped on the track, oh, it'd become real, real, real popular. Not because they'd understand the, the, the beauty of it anymore. They would understand the greed of it. They'd understand, you know, the, the blood sport of it in theory. And so that's, for me, that's what that, that's where that argument lies. It, it's, they care and we don't. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say we don't care, um, but I, I will agree with you that the ball sports, as, as you so eloquently said, have a huge effect on you know, what happens in track. Um, not only because of the popularity of those sports, because there's a lot of great track athletes playing those sports. Because, so because we don't have those sports in Europe, then they have more athletes that are in athletics, as they call it. You know, the fact that they call it athletics, not track and field, shows that how much they care about it to begin with. But I will say that for me anyway, the issue for me with the U.S. is the fact that we lose a ton of our great athletes to the ball sports because of the monetary impact those sports have on, on our society, on the athletes themselves. So if you took the ball sports out of the equation, then you'd have your million dollar hundred meter race. Mm -hmm. But you're never going to have the million dollar hundred meter race because 
you got the wide receiver that can go to the NFL and make $5 million a year or more. Or, or 350K never being on TV. Exactly. That's my point. Practice squad. Yeah. So those are the reasons. So exactly. It is more than that. But at the end of the day, those are the reasons why it's more popular in Europe because they have, first of all, that they don't, they have, they're not getting the, the numbers stolen away from the sport that we get stolen away from us. I just feel like they don't, in Europe, there's not an elephant, right? Like Formula One is huge. Soccer is huge. Track is huge, right? So they've decided like the kingdom can be separated amongst all of these global things. But in, in the United States, like football eats up like 51% of the market share. Like there's an elephant. It's just that, you know what I mean? This is what it is. Like, there's a reason that the commissioner of the NFL makes $40 million a year sure. because th there's an elephant and they do what you're supposed to do when you're the big stack is they push everybody around. Like, think about it. Professional football is on television Monday, Thursday, Saturday, like for four weeks of the year and Sunday. They own three days and they rent another. But they don't right. That's they, a lot. They, they, they borrow it. They don't rent it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They, we're going to take this actually, game back to you in a couple right, of weeks. They debo it a little bit. Like, exactly. Hey, them so Saturdays belong There's up. no renting of that. Like, we're yeah. – I'm coming to your house to borrow your day. I'll bring it back in a couple of days. A couple of weeks. And, and then it's, it's, you know, it's younger brother, collegiate football, owns Saturday. So, I mean, like, legit, like, football dominates the airwaves on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. That's a lot. Yeah. It's four days, right? And then, hell, they made movies about Friday Night Lights because high school football dominates, like, your personal lives on Friday. So if you're somebody that, that has – you live someplace in a football culture, you legit got football Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's no room for anything else. Right. Well said, well said. Uh, let's turn the dial all the way up now. Um, speaking of elephants, thoughts on the dropping of the Minnesota men's track and field cross country program and the effect that it could have in the future on men's programs as a whole. Yep, here we yeah. go. Um, yeah. well, Birdman hand like, rub. In well, I, 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 feel feel like, I haven't gone first yet tonight, I don't think. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, I feel like Lucius need, needs to go ahead and, and go first. Okay, see, and, and, and I, I want to I be as transparent as possible. I want to be as adamant as possible. And I want people to listen carefully. You can't stick your head in the sand and think it's not going to happen to me. You know, I, I heard someone talking about the COVID situation, and they said that you should walk around and assume that everybody has it, right? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to this cutting of men's track and field and cross country programs, you have to assume it could happen to you because it could. And systematically, what it's gonna do to opportunities for minorities in, in athletics, for academics, in the coaching realm, it, it, if, this, if this snowball starts, you're never gonna get it to stop. So we have to stand up now. We have to make some noise. We have to make it clear that we can't be the easy target. And the men's track and field and cross country easy target because you get rid of men's track and field and cross country, nobody says much. Nobody seems to want to fight back. Because you're not going to touch the women's sports because you know where that's going to go, right? So I get the point that, okay, Minnesota's in $75 million in debt. So you cut the track and field program now you're in seventy-four and a half million dollars debt. What's the big freaking deal? So you can't tell me it's, it's it's all about money because it's not. You're not saving money by cutting men's track and field. And the other problem is this. Okay, so let's say I think they said they had forty-five people on the on their roster. You got twelve point six scholarships. So we're just gonna, for the sake of argument, we're gonna call it thirteen, right? So now you take that thirteen. You got thirty-two, basically full scholarships that aren't being paid to the university. Yep. By those athletes. So now you just cost the university itself money. So it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Um, I, I, to those points that are very well stated and I think are the crux of the issue, what do I think about it when I saw the headline? I thought it was cowardly. 
I thought it I thought it was a cowardly act. Minnesota is a public university. And like any public university, if you're nerdy enough, if you care enough, you can Google the financial reports of the athletic department of the University of Minnesota. And if you do, you will see clear as day how cowardly of an act it is. Not only are they not saving any money by cutting this sport that they barely were spending any money on, okay? It's absolutely, it, their charter, their mission statement is all about diversity and inclusion, as many are around the country. Well, you can read right now, they just cut the sport that was the second best among the minority population of their department. What do you imagine the first one is? Obviously, it's football. <laughs> so it, it's just a cowardly act across the board. And what I'm really, really sick of is athletic departments taking outside issues like a COVID situation and using that as an excuse to do something that they've been trying to do for whatever reason for so long. There's a, there's a million examples of that going on, big schools, small schools right now. But as Lucia said, don't get it twisted. There is no financial reason that a Power Five, Big Ten school needs to eliminate that sport. If you want to claim it's Title IX, I think that's a cowardly excuse. If you want to claim it's money, it's absolutely not. There's something else going on there. And if you look at how they were spending money on coaches, how they were spending money on assistant coaches, if you look at how they were spending money on budgets, they weren't really all that interested in, the, in that team one way or the other by the dollar. And the crazy thing is Minnesota's a good program. It's a historically good program. They've done great things over the years. And they had a really good team right now. That team was going to compete for the Big Ten championship. Like, it's really sad for the staff. It's really sad for the kids. And it's, it's just a, a moment in, in, our, in our culture that we really shouldn't stand for and collectively, you know, to try to find a way to do something. But I, I want to say one more thing. It's amazing to me how professionals in the administrative world of collegiate sports get away with being so poor at managing money and magically still get to keep their jobs. Minnesota is paying a football coach not to coach more than they are paying to spend on the track team that they just cut. It's absolutely insane. And I can't think of any other, any other industry where management can be so irresponsible with financial resourcing and all those people keep get work keep to work, keep their jobs, and the people under them have to suffer the consequences. Huh. Well, my, my, my two esteemed and wonderful and eloquent colleagues have said many things that are very true. And I am going to pile directly on top in a very angry, in your face, F you kind of way. The University of Minnesota is a Big Ten institution and they draw $52 million from, of TV revenue from the Big Ten network a year. They also are part of a revenue share with Big Ten universities and the Big Ten is, is contracted with eight, eight bowl games. So they ain't broke, they ain't poor, they can't cry. And these cowardly people and these people who clearly can't count and obviously run around with unbalanced checkbooks thought it was okay to triple pay, triple pay football head coaches to build a $34 million indoor football facility and to spend $250,000 or so in housing football players in hotel rooms and feeding them for home games. So am I going to let it be broke? Absolutely. I said this in the post the day it happened, and I can't say this any other way, and please forgive my French. This is that 
bullshit. Men's track and field is an endangered species and is being hunted. And now at a power five level, someone was given a free pass on the reservation to hunt endangered species and it's bullshit. Three coaches who are very good at their job get fired in less than a year because they coach men's track and not women's track. That's bullshit. It's a combined program. They coach both genders. That means there are females that are losing their coaches. Why? I'll tell you why. This is a magic trick. When you watch magic tricks, you always see something spectacular happen over here because they don't want you to see what's happening over here off camera. See that? This is where the things are really happening. So here's what's really happening. COVID is an opportunity to cut sports so that when we return to business as usual, we can spend more money on football. This has nothing to do with the sport of track and field. This has nothing to do with poor budgeting. This is intentional and absolutely malicious use of power. And at the end of the day, what I want to see is I want to see actual bean counters heads roll. I want to see people in administration who are responsible for saying yes to a football coach or booster or whatever it is who says we got to have this because so-and-so has that. Those people are the people I want to see show some complete and utter transparency. I want to know who approved this and then just like anybody else. If I make $500 and I spend $1,000 a month, you know what happens? My wife takes my card and cuts it up and says, you don't get to spend no more money because clearly you don't know what to do with it. Guess what? That's exactly what should happen to most of the administration at the University of Minnesota. Because again, I'm going to say, this is that bullshit. And when you talk about all of the nonsense that goes on, you know, there, we talk about this arms race all the time. And unfortunately, what people haven't figured out is that they are, they are, uh, they're like just losing this arm rate. They're getting beaten to, beaten to a pulp because $34 million facilities outbidding another school for a football coach. That's not what wins football games. That's not what wins basketball games or nor does it win track meets, you know, until we get back to the basis of, okay, like, so one of the things that really bothers me about this is, okay, so you as the athletic director allowed your track coach to go into the homes of these young people and tell their parents and promise them, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure your, your son or daughter is going to be fine. Where was the thought process in that when you were making this decision? The people that, that these athletes are committed to this university, dedicated to this university, they give their blood, sweat, and tears to the university, but you take the swipe of a pen and you're done. And, and I mean, like, they basically like call I said, the, like like the, said. The, the, the history, Minnesota has had some very, very good stuff. We, we okay. go back to, 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 to steel. And, and I can't, I always mess the other guy's name up. Mitch but Potter, Adam Steele. Mitch Potter, Potter Steel. Adam Steele. You know, just, dude, we, I, that, I, I, remember, I remember the girl that fell down in the 600 at the, the Big Ten meet and jumped up and ran everybody down. You know, there, there's just a great history at Minnesota. You know, they, they, the kids at Minnesota, but they show up and they compete hard. You know, they always have. You know, I mean, Gary Wilson and those guys have done a phenomenal job over the years at that program. I just don't think it's fair. Just don't think it's fair. Yikes. Well, definitely a, a subject to be talked about around the track and field community right now. And, and one that everyone seems to be on the same side of the fence, except for one small population. So um, it'll be interesting to see if and we can put we can put that those people in a, in this, that smoke filled room. They can go in that same room. <laughs> Shut that door real tight. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Um, wow. So, you know, if you didn't hear the message being said, everyone out there, we need to be protecting men's track and field and cross country because they are, are they are being sought after right now. 
So, you know, stand tall, stand proud, be big, be strong. That's all you can really say. Um, let's uh, go ahead and segue into our new segment, Rapid Fire. Um, I've already deemed Mr. Clyde as my victim for the week. Um, and these are questions speared towards him. So Okay, okay. Uh, okay. Well, after, so, after I put my foot in my mouth, I'm the first one up. I see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and there's a couple of these are, are base specific. So actually, oh, okay. Just, okay. just two, two. I'll be, I'll be nice. Um, are you ready, sir? I am. All right. Starting easy and then and potentially getting a, potentially getting a little harder. All right. Kobe or LeBron? Oh, LeBron. Five guys are in or out, in and out. Five guys. NorCal or SoCal? NorCal. Not even. <laughs> Nike or Adidas? I don't, I'm not really a big fan of either, but given what's going on in the world right now, I'm going to roll with Adidas. <laughs> Got it. Uh, No-show socks or ankle socks? No-show. <laughs> Apple or Android? We all know the answer to this. Apple. <laughs> Last but not least. Blondies or gypsies? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate the very west coast of that. Bay Area. Uh, you know, I, I I gotta go with blondies. I gotta I gotta go with blondies. I gotta yes. go. Yes. I love it. You're off the hook. You're off the hook. So for well, the played. well played. I very like well that. played, big league. Like, I like, like that. Everything else on this show. Oh, hey, look, you got you it, got me over here sweating for next week now. I'm like, whoa! So we rolling like that. I'm gonna be, be like this next week. <laughs> for those who don't know, Blondies is a as a and I, I think there's only a few, like less than a handful establishments still left open. Um, but they they serve the biggest pizza slices. And back in the day, in my teenage years, they were only a dollar and a quarter. So you're like banging, you're double fisted. Like trying to make it, it's hot. They were just turning them out, and you're like, "It's a dollar twenty-five. I'm getting two slices." Knowing dang well you can't eat two slices. Like no, like <laughs> football players struggle to eat two slices, right? And then Gypsies is a great family restaurant. It's um, it's on Shattuck, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, great pasta, great pizza, great sandwiches. So good. Standing room only. If you get a table, you're lucky. You need to sit there and like order from the seat because if you stand up it's gone so G gypsies gypsies is very much still packed and uh because chu and, and and lamar at a certain level will fully understand this how the ridiculousness of this my record at blondies is three i ate three of them things once i regretted it but i didn't do it <laughs> so, so i'm just gonna say this for for the for the record that blows my mind because <laughs> i tried three once I got through two and a half and literally tapped out like, nah, I can't eat no more. If I eat one more bite, it's cookies. Oh, so I made that you actually, you got like crust and all, you got three pieces down? I got them down. I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the aftermath. <laughs> Lucius, just, just trust me on this. Three pieces of Blondie's pizza is bigger than probably an entire pizza that you would try to eat. Oh, wow. Okay. It, they're humongous pieces of pizza. I feel like it's safe to say it's the size of my face in a pizza slice. Like, oh, it's probably, I, it might be bigger. I, listen, I, I'm I'm a subliminal fat kid. Is, is, is what I <laughs> sure. I like that. Yes, yes, I love it. That that was good. Good job. Well done. Well done. Um, so as always, we will close our show out with our heartbeat props. Um, gentlemen, who would we like? Who would like to take this on first? Uh, I I haven't gone I haven't gone first in a while. I'll, I'll go first on this one. Um, given the subject matter um, and given you know all the things that are going around in the world, my, mine is personal but on a different level because this is actually a person I don't know that well. Um, he is a uh, uh, a treasure in our sport. I think a, I think an an, an un an unsung treasure. I don't think he ever gets the, the level of respect that he may have deserved as an athlete. But in this particular moment, um, I felt the best thing I could do to honor him was to read his words. And that is our president um, of the Coach Association, Mr. Leroy Burrell. And he is 
giving us something that we desperately need right now, which is a, a sense of leadership, which we rarely see in, in what we do for a living. So I'm just going to read his words and let him speak for himself. NCAA Division I track and field and cross country coaches. I am angry, saddened, and dismayed at the institutions that have made the decision to cut men's track and field and cross country programs. Thursday's announcement to drop the storied uh, men's program at the University of Minnesota is a shot across the bow that threatens every Division I track and field program in the country. It is clear to me that our sport is being made a scapegoat due to years of athletic administration mismanagement and poor decisions that have led to the departments that are high, that are le led to departments that are highly leveraged. Looking for excuses in the name of temporary financial shortfalls, such as result of COVID-19 and quote, Title IX compliance is unacceptable. The different choices cited by Minnesota and others to drop men's track and field and cross country does little to nothing to rectify the temporary financial situations while permanently eliminating student athlete opportunities. I must admit, I'm uncertain of what exact course of action our coaches association should take at these institutions decisions to drop men's track and field and cross country appear to be accelerating. As I, as well as you many know, we've been working on campus to protect men's track and field and cross country to retain opportunities for student athletes staff at his institution. The sport is under threat and it will require all of us to act in order to gain to regain sports that we love. Going forward, I am directing our national office to seek out public, a public relations firm interested in providing pro bono professional assistance to create and execute a national campaign to educate university administrators and the general public on the values and benefits of track and field and cross country programs. In addition, I am requesting the national office to identify a law firm and or lobbyist to assist in guiding our campaign's direction. Further, I plan to challenge our association's board of directors, executive committees, and all member coaches to engage in our messaging as we move forward. Our sport is too rich in tradition, too diverse, and too valuable to the landscape of intercollegiate athletics to idly stand by while it is under attack. Thank you, Mr. Leroy Burrell, world record holder, gold medalist, currently director of track and field at the University of Houston, and our association's president, we need leadership, and that, sir, is leadership. We appreciate you. Poof. Uh, all right, so goal for tonight is no tears. Yeah, uh, I'm going to try. Uh, my heartbeat prompt goes to someone, and I think this is the first time I've had this, that I 100% know watches the show every single week as a matter of fact by 5 55 or so on friday if the show is not out i get call i get a call followed by a text message um basically like what the you know some sort of gift that's like what the hell's going on out there because at the end of the day what he told me uh is he wakes up in the morning on friday with an anticipation like a little kid waiting for Christmas presents until 5.30 when the show comes out, um, which is actually 4.30 his time because he lives in the central time zone, five, whatever. So it becomes four. Uh, and then he watches it through once and then goes back and watches it the second time to pick up what he didn't get the first time. So it literally consumes his Friday. Um, this gentleman is a U.S. veteran. He is also a U.S. Winter Olympian and medalist, as well as a participant in the World Championships in track and field in the decathlon, um, which all of it in and of itself is relatively insane. But um, he's an he was an incredible coach and would probably still love to be, but sometimes your body doesn't want to do what your mind wants to do. Um, uh, he suffered a stroke um, and is still full of all of his faculties and such. Um, you know, mind, body, all work, but he is no longer in the coaching realms and it kills him. 
Um, he's one of my best friends and, and was my, my, my road dog for an eight and a half hour drive across Iowa all the way to Council Bluffs, which is on the border of Iowa and Nebraska. Um, one of my best friends in the sport, uh, my roommate at World Championships, uh, one of the greatest coaches I know, one of the best track minds I know, and the inventor of our opening image, one Mr. Dan Steele. Mr. Steele, I'll do better about being on time. <laughs> he he okay. loves Chew, so he will never, ever complain about Chew. He assumes it's my fault and blames me. It is. Because Chew, because he always says, Chew can do no wrong. And then he's, and there you have it. He's right. Yeah. So um, my heartbeat props, again, is it's kind of on the lines of what's going on. Um, you know, this, this gentleman has no, probably has no, they may not even know who I am. Um, I grew up watching this guy um, play football. And he was the first African-American to play football, to play uh, quarterback in the SEC. Um, he played at the University of Tennessee, where he led them to three bowl games. Um, endured a lot of hatred, a lot of hate mail, you know, a lot of, you know, verbal but he, he handled it with such class. It, it was just amazing to watch him. And, and I inspired to be like him in the ways that he carried himself. He never flinched, you know, watched him play hurt. Um, when it came time for him to be drafted, he was drafted late in the draft and told, if you come to the NFL, you gotta play safety. Because that was back in the days when supposedly African-Americans weren't smart enough to play um, quarterback in college or the pros. He went on to have a illustrious uh, career in the Canadian Football League. Actually, led them to, I think it's the Grey Cup. It's called up there, a championship. And um, my my heartbeat props goes to one Mr. Condrich Holloway. And um, having the Holloway name made it easy for me to be a fan. But um, it was much even much easier because of how classy and how how well mannered and how he just he was just such a professional both on and off the, off the field. So my heartbreak props to Mr. Condrich Holloway, and I'm gonna put this out there. You know, one of, one of, my, one of my bucket list things is to meet him someday. So uh, maybe, maybe we can make that happen now because of the LLC, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely being manifested right yeah. now. Right now. Um, my heartbeat props go out to a, a group of people. Um, and I, I don't know, again, how I didn't think about this before, but, um, I wouldn't be who I am as a coach today without them. And that's female coaches who've come before me. Um, they've definitely laid the path, set the stones, you know, call it what you want for individuals like myself to, to be what we want to be and to do it well. Um, you know, there are definitely more than a handful of female coaches who I don't know, you know, just the names of, of the generation of coaches that I know, um, you know, the three of you have definitely enlightened me on names that I wasn't super familiar with and, and became familiar with and whatnot. And, you know, I hope and pray that I'm able to be in the same air of them. And I'm sure the three of you will make that happen one day and I'll, I'll be starstruck and not be able to breathe at all when that happens. Um, but, you know, I, I, I appreciate them. I praise them for their hard work and the things that they had to go through in order for me to complain about a job from time to time, you know, because without them, I wouldn't have something to complain about. I'd be somewhere else. Um, and to more directly, you know, the women who run these specific committees, whether it's at USATF, um, US, USTSCCCA committee, um, I, I appreciate you all and your efforts and, and the things that you sacrifice in your everyday lives to make situations where we can grow as professionals and as an entity and have support and have strength to move forward, to um, achieve, attain, and experience bigger and better things. So to all the female coaches, past, present, and future, more so past and present, <laughs> um, definitely thank you. Thank you so much for all of your hard work. Ooh. So I, I do want to stick something in here that just brings all of this very much full circle. Uh, I want to send a, 
and an incognito shout out to one of the greatest gentlemen I've ever had the pleasure to meet only once. I was completely starstruck, but he is a University of Minnesota grad and was a football player and a black quarterback and clearly not bright enough to play quarterback in the NFL. He just went on to be the first black head coach to win the Super Bowl, one Mr. Tony Dungy. I didn't know that Tony Dungy went to Minnesota. And was a quarterback. Well played. Got it. Well, uh, I don't know if he, does he still live in Indy? No, nah, he I, I don't believe so. I don't know. I was going to say, maybe I'll just go wandering around Indy to see if I can find him. So you got a better chance. You got a better chance finding him wandering around Tampa. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Thought I'd say it out loud. Well, gentlemen, um, thank you. Thank you. I think this was a, a a very if if not any other episode isn't an infotainment at its best. Definitely, definitely had a lot of words spoken to for people to digest, understand, and. Uh, hold near and dear to their heart in one way, shape, or form, whether it's to better their professionalism because the hurdle should be different heights or to know the sacredness of a special part of a sport. So um, thank you so much for your two cents. Again, I'm, we're contributing to the coin shortage every week. So um, be safe, be well, be healthy. And uh, until next time, we'll see each other soon. Protect men's track and field. Hashtag. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. When the lights come on, the road just get to running. When the lights come on, the opponents mess the plumbing. But you like it warm, hot, and knife the butter. Truth pin them hard, knock them off that rebuttal. Tsunami, tidal wave to your puddle. Tough love, punch when the arms, little brothers. Athletics double, I'll see it, there's no others. Track the field's pace, and we'll peel to go further. Wiley, Coyote, it's Roadrunners Feels like you know us, you've been with us the whole summer If not for this quarantine, these four corners Wouldn't be here, but we're here, so start learning You gotta earn your stripes, gotta get your scars Show you how to fight, but show us who you are You lack experience, but still you wanna talk And who is actually talking to your circle's kinda small Heads prevail when the backbone's strong Gotta keep it coming, no won't last long Pass a failed and sell the sad song And if you don't check yourself, then that's wrong Just trying to give you the real that you asked for So why you keep cutting us off to ask more? We put it in slow-mo, but you fast-forward Athletics, devil, I'll see the task force Ooh, wasn't that fun? Man, that's it, boys and girls. That's a wrap. What a great, great, great time I just had right there. I hope you did as well. If you like what you heard, tell someone else. Best thing you can do for me right now is if you received value, go share this on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Smoke Signals, Morse Code, whatever you're using for your social media text message, old school. Let's do it, man. Really, really appreciate that. If you want to know in advance what the next greatest guest we're going to have, simply subscribe right now and whatever you're listening to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, hit that subscribe button and you will be in the know for anybody else. That's it. I'm out of here. Look forward to next time bringing you another great connection with another great track and field coach. Bye-bye.